really everything that, that, that we have maybe depended on for some kind of identity um, can easily vanish in a short period of time. And so, so this happens in transformation. It's the middle state, the liquid state between one solid state and another solid state of a different shape. In between, you have to have a liquid state or there's no transformation. So any facilitator of shift or transformation, any facilitator that needs to feel actually at home there. And so over the years that I've been doing this, I actually feel basically more at home in the liquid state than I do in any kind of solidified state because I know the solidified state is, del is delusional. I'm Dean Walker, and welcome to the Poetry of Predicament podcast, a podcast for people brave enough to face humanity's challenges and problems, and most importantly, our numerous predicaments. The Poetry of Predicament is a podcast meant to inspire us to bring forth grace, beauty, and connection with the web of life in the face of a predicament-laden world. In this episode of the Poetry of Predicament podcast, help me welcome Clinton Callahan, founder of Possibility Management. He's a thought leader and unstoppable trainer of trainers, Clinton Callahan. Wow. So I'm, I, I was, I only got a hint from, from your um, letter about what's what the theme was that we're going to go into but i was excited about it because it sounded nuts and bolts or it sounded yeah. like a meeting of the wizards or something like that yeah it feels like that to me that's great so you ready to just kind of go at it yeah unless you wanted to frame it up are you going to frame it up in the inside the talk yeah let's just do it that way that's i think it's going to be fine that way you know uh Clinton, I'm realizing that this is our third time being together in this in the podcast way, and uh, I'm very excited to have you on the Poetry of Predicament again. And um, this time, I'm particularly uh, I'm I'm really on fire. So I I am so glad <laughs> to just uh, make things happen in a very short uh, time. And um, for those who have not seen, uh, really, the, the most recent one uh, interview with you, Clinton, was, a, was a, I want to say, three months ago-ish. I'm, I'm not certain. I lose track of time. Um, but I would recommend for folks to also check that out. And I'll put the link to that episode in the show notes. And so um, let, let me just get right at it. Uh, we have Clinton Callahan on the poetry of predicament and um, Clinton is uh, uh, the, the founder and now one of the co-conspirators in a body of work that's quite remarkable. Um, broad sweep, it could be called possibility management, but there are so many other names and facets that I've just heard while I've been learning about it. Uh, I'd be curious if you could just fill in any gaps in how else you characterize your work and <clears throat> first let me let me just um you know perhaps i could ask you to, to also uh introduce yourself the way you would most like to be introduced uh, 
once I stop talking here. But I, I want to introduce uh, really the questions, <laughs> and I want to introduce the topics that had me so fired up to get in touch with you and, and ask you for this time, uh, and then cut you loose. So I've just recently gotten back from Greece from a week of workshop with uh, Jem Bendel and his partner, Katie Carr. And of course, Jem Bendel is uh, something of a phenomenon these days. In 2018, he rocketed to a claim in, in, a, in the kind of <laughs> rarefied atmosphere that is sometimes humorously called the doomosphere, people who are seeing the world's uh, the world is as in collapse now, uh, and how to grapple with that? How to uh, adjust our our inner world and our outer world to accommodate the reality that is that framing? And uh, he calls that that uh, line of inquiry deep adaptation. So how can we? Uh, take on the process of deep adaptation within ourselves to expand our capacities and our uh, inner toolkit to be able to be more and more present in the face of larger and larger stressors as various aspects of earth and human systems collapse. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm thrilled to have been able to go to that workshop and there was a lot that I enjoyed. I, I absolutely, my hat is off to, to Katie Carr, who really was the lead in terms of facilitation and design of that experience. And, um, and Jem was there, and, and they both did a great job of facilitation. And uh, I had a remarkable amount of connection with the other people who were participating. And to get right to it with you, Clinton, I, um, I, have have been collecting uh, distinctions and practices and <clears throat> excuse me methodologies uh, in hopes of being uh, more and more effective in the delivery of my body of work, which is to supply to offer resources and coaching and uh, distinctions that might be of use for people who are willing to face this collapse of earth and human systems. And thank you so much for sitting through all this. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm finally getting around to why I'm calling you so excitedly, is that what was missing for me in this week-long workshop, which again, stood very strong in its own right and very powerful, <coughs> excuse me, but, um, <clears throat> I could say that the, the work was uh, entirely based in what I could call uh, focus on emerging, the emergence of people's participation, the emergence of people's expression, <clears throat> and inviting that emergence in that way being quite a gentle, uh, the, the um, experience of being safely held and people bearing witness for one another. So it had that kind of flavor and emphasis to it. <clears throat> and not that your work does not have that. I have experienced plenty of those features. But what was missing for me 
and uh, why I, I'm so excited to speak with you is that I believe that you and your cadre of co-trainers and designers and so on, possibility managers, what I experience your work doing is, is bringing together both that emergence-oriented technology and a, what I would call a more evocative uh, way of interacting with, within myself, with others, and with the relatedness that's going on in, in a possibility lab environment, which is what you call your, your more advanced sessions that you offer to people. So um, I'm here excitedly ready to speak with you about that balance and, and hear for you, from you, how would you talk about that kind of um, balance between a couple of different elements? And I'm, I'm quite clear that there are many other elements we could be talking about as well, but we could possibly start there and I'd also love to hear what you're up to, because I know that literally every time we talk, you've got another, you know, broad horizon in front of you. So thank you again for sitting through that long introduction, or at least setting the context. And uh, say hello to folks and welcome here. Well, thanks for continuing this conversation, and particularly thank you for directing it in uh, more specific ways and more. Uh, pertinent kind of ways because uh, you know I think we all have roles to play in the events that are un unraveling or unfolding or emerging as you were saying and uh, the roles are theoretically you know often the invitation is the roles are determined by external forces or by society or by mm, some kind of understanding of of who we are as human beings on a planet and uh those roles are um as as things are emerging it's becoming clear that um the roles are really created by ourselves we're it's important for each of us to determine our own role and otherwise, we're we're just going to be the we do the lemming show. So you know, this is the lemming show. We follow where the group goes. We all go off the cliff and end of story. So uh, there's this huge opportunity to, as as things disassemble, there's more and more space and necessity for people to show up as we are, and uh, as we are capable. Like so, for me there's this huge uh shocking and sad difference between for example transformation and collapse and the it's a deceptive a deceptive situation because we are designed for transformation human beings have this rare capacity to evolve in a single lifetime. We have the ability to become more conscious and to build this kind of, I call it a matrix, energetic matrix in our being that can hold more distinctions where we can become more aware and perceptive and more conscious and where more and more of our potential can come through, through this consciousness. And, and I, I don't mean it in a 
foo-foo way. I mean it in a, really an ability to hold space, navigate space, create solutions, design new game worlds, invent new structures and society and ways for us to interact and be and, and relationship. And all of these communications are all, can rapidly evolve as we evolve and we're designed for this transformational process. Whereas collapse, there's, there's, there isn't anything on the other side. And it's like, uh, you know, transformation is a bridge and collapse is a pier. And the pier you go off and there's just sharks and piranhas and you don't know what's up, what it is. There's, there's, no, no, there's no other side. And so the experience of it is at the beginning still the same. And so since we can't predict the future and we can't predict so much of what will happen you know what's what we, we don't know what's going to happen that's why we can still have this conversation is because it's interesting because we don't know what's going to happen and the the beginning steps of transformation and the beginning steps of collapse are essentially the same which is the known becomes useless or the rug gets pulled out from underneath us and there's this void that opens up or this gap or um, a vacuum or a, um, a nothingness. And, and so uh, the, the value of having systems collapse is that the nothingness or the, the void is cast upon us. And we're so, you know, because we're so able to transform, we're also able to block transformation. Yeah. We have this, yeah. we have these, this inner facility to distract ourselves or pretend like it's not happening or refuse to um, to step over the edge like that. We're, we're really, we're masters at staying in our mind and thinking that we are, everything's okay or everything's fine. And we're really experts at blocking transformation, but we're also expert, we have the potential to be experts at facilitating the evolutionary shift that's available in transformation. Right. So. Could I just pause for a second? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you talked about uh, a couple of steps that can be seen in the, in the progression toward collapse or toward transformation. And I'm, I'm wondering if we could also include kind of a liquefaction, which is some, that, that's a word that uh, I recall from, from a, a possibility lab and and other environments where I've I've been in that kind of that kind of uh, conversation, and I'm noticing that uh, one the very much the dynamic that you were just describing is is still present if we include that liquefaction before there's the complete nothingness. You know, things just drop out. And why I'm saying that is, um, it, in my experience, this kind of evoking these uh, consciously evolutionary aspects of ourselves forward, we can start to consciously engage with uh, the process of liquefying our world and our perception, deploying our attention in a particular way. and. Um, what we don't get is that opportunity to be conscious and to be growing that, that skill and that deployment of attention consciously 
if we just wait for the collapse, if we're just holding on tight to our, our vision of how it's always been, then that will truly be just ripped out of our hands into a nothingness. So I, I'm with you there. And I just wanted to include that because that, that liquefaction seems to be, in my experience, where we are. So it can, it's easy to mold it into fake news and you know a disdain for reality and and uh, uh, willful ignorance and on and on, and it can also be shaped into possibility, into whole new possibilities. So I just wanted to kind of add that because it seemed like little seedlings of that came up in in a possibility lab again, one of your uh, kind of advanced weekends that you offer in in your work and uh so for full disclosure obviously i've I've done the uh expand the box training which is kind of the first weekend that people would do to be exposed to your work and then after that there's innumerable possibility labs that uh two or three or four day work workshops that people can come to and engage on a particular theme together and so on so thanks for sitting through that inclusion of that, uh, that distinction, <laughs> liquefaction. Yeah, the, you asked me what I'm into lately or what's, what's been happening for me and I've got a new identity lately. And uh, I, it's a word that went in somehow, came in sideways and it's, it, it's just been opening up a whole, a whole new uh, plethora of possibilities for navigating liquid states and it's the the name is rift walker so it has to do with so you have to imagine that there are jobs in modern culture like plumber or policeman or nurse or secretary or whatever these are these are job titles well what i'm saying right now there's another job title called rift walker that is has a certain set of skills it's a required um requiring a specific kind of training and awarenesses and attentions to certain kinds of details and and some nuts and bolts tricks up the sleeve for how to navigate liquid states so that they're beneficial so that they provide a, a positive outcome and in fact, prepare you for the next liquid state because evolution is like that. It's one after another. There isn't, it isn't like adulthood initiation is a fixed or finished process. It's an ongoing for the rest of your life series of evolutionary processes, each one having this, I'm, I'm hey, here's my solid state. Here's who I am. Oh my God, this is, it's not happening anymore. It's not working. Oh my God! The whole thing kind of goes liquid, and and then and then what? Well, this we're not prepared for that. Modern culture does it in no way. School or any professional training prepare us for becoming liquid or for having things desolidify, for having the known shift into to um, fluid flux relationship with each other. It really, everything that. That, that we have maybe depended on for some kind of identity um, can easily vanish in a short period of time. And so, so this happens in transformation. It's the middle state, the liquid state between one solid state and another solid state of a different shape. 
in between, you have to have a liquid state or there's no transformation. So any facilitator of shift or transformation, any facilitator that needs to feel actually at home there. And so over the years that I've been doing this, I actually feel basically more at home in the liquid state than I do in any kind of solidified state because I know the solidified state is, del is delusional. It is an illusion, but it's also for me to believe in it as who I am or what it is as solid. It's just I'm deluding myself. It's a, so I, I have been naive in my life, and I'm, I don't pretend to be superior uh, um, in terms of anything. So at the same time, I, I am pretty sure that whatever I think is solid isn't. And so that sets up a whole new framework of... Uh, and I've been discovering that actually the human spirit, you know, who we are as beings uh, is more comfortable and more free, like more, more, uh, has more access to possibility and ecstasy and presence and relationship and connection and unfolding if we're flying. So it's, if we're not solid. So, you know, a surfer, a surfer needs waves, and the waves of evolution come from uh, everything solid. No, 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 it's not. It's liquid. Oh, oh, look, it's solid again. Oh, no, it's liquid. You know, and this surfing creates a force where we can evolve on. And so that is a bigger picture of things, whereas we're trained uh, to get a degree in engineering, and then we do our job for the rest of our life and retire and die. And um, this rigidity of a worldview of a linear life plan uh, is non-functional when it comes to, especially day, these days where um, systems are collapsing. Systems, every system we've developed is going to collapse, and we can either collapse it on purpose and intentionally, and and start creating regenerative next culture. I call it archiarchy cultures which are the archiarchal cultures are the cultures that come after the matriarchal cultures and the patriarchal cultures have run their course so it's a natural evolution of culture that if we had time on the planet uh the little cul-de-sacs and little experiments of the, all over the planet right now the cultural creatives that you know the 200 million cultural creatives who are below mm -hmm. the radar of of the mainstream news uh, that are successfully evolving and emerging uh, regenerative cultures, um, they would, they, they're, they're, they're now the, you know, the leading edge of this evolutionary shift. They're, they would become more, more and more uh, common knowledge. It would become common. But so, so being a rift walker is a needed job right now, perhaps more, more so than ever in uh, human history, because of the degree of collapse like for example just for example like the evolution from matriarchal cultures to patriarchal cultures uh, was occurring over thousands and thousands of years in fact it's still occurring you know there are still matriarchal cultures around that live on planet earth as if it's a giant salad bowl you know and they the hunter gatherer the like the amazonian jungles and all that there are still matriarchal cultures that the great mother earth is their home and and uh, and six thousand years ago, when the patriarchy started emerging with warrior clans just stealing food crops that were stored and 
and the technologies and the hierarchies, particularly the hierarchical structures allowed for psychopathic personalities to climb the hierarchies and take over the positions um, that that happened over thousands of years. And so but the thing is, these days, with, for example, the, um, the use of fossil fuels has ramped up suddenly in geological time or even human history. And we've reached over peak. We're past peak in almost everything, even uranium, even rare metals are reaching peak. Uh, so, so peak oil, peak gas, peak coal, it's all, you know, it's, we're over, it's collapsing now. There's those resources that modern civilization has, has built itself on so, so wastefully and so unconsciously as a greedy little consuming teenager um, with no regard for consequences that, that, the, the, the shift needs to happen suddenly. We have, we have a, a 50 years, you know, starting 40 years ago to shift from the patriarchal culture into regenerative archiarchal cultures where rather than having an uninitiated adolescent uh, at the top of the hierarchy, you, we, we need to have this creative collaboration between the archetypal feminine and the archetypal masculine, that's what uh, archiarchal culture is, the initiated archetypal feminine creatively collaborating with initiated archetypal masculine. This is archiarchy. This is our, this is our birthright. You know, we're, it's like, this is what adulthood is about. Adulthood is not a dirty word. Responsibility is not a dirty word. These are, these are such amazing possibilities for human beings. In individually and in groups, and 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 the thing about is, is this shift is going to happen suddenly, or it's not going to happen at all. And facilitators of the shift to archiarchal cultures and regenerative cultures have a full-time job. If if they will quit the thoughtware, you know, the thinking idea that that we need money to survive, for example. So so many people have been hammered and documented and handicapped with the idea that you need money to survive and therefore you need to have a job or work in some corporation. You know, I retired when I was 29 years old and I haven't had a job since then. When as soon as I got the idea that a job stands for just over broke and I, I'm a slave and in, in a, an economic slave in somebody else's game world, a pawn in somebody else's game world, you know, as soon as I figured that out, I go, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I don't, I just don't care. I'm not going to, if I have to eat you know, dandelions, you know, and I'm going to just, and so, so I have never, look at me. I'm not, you know, I'm not skinny and I'm not, I'm, I'm in Bali right now. I'm, I'm, I'm living in the most luxurious place. And it's not like I have a bunch of money. It's just that uh, I'm, I get supported because I'm a rift walker because I'm serving humanity like you. I'm, I'm doing what the Earth Coincidence Control Office needs me to do. I get instructions ongoingly for serving the evolution of consciousness on the Earth um, ongoingly. And everybody is a, can have that. It's the, the instructions are waiting for each person, for you. Whoever is watching this, these are part of your instructions right now. And, and so... So how do you do that? This is a set of skills like, you know, and this is where it starts getting really interesting for me. Like, 
if you don't have your center, if you don't take your attention and put it on your energetic center and find out which external authority figure you gave your center away to and take it back, if you don't, if you take your back and put it on your physical center, you have this experience suddenly of being centered. And then you can make a grounding cord from your your center to the middle of the earth to Gaia in the middle of the earth you can make an energetic connection which is a two-way connection so that you you can be centered and connected into Gaia and and get instructions from needs and requests and from Gaia then you you also need to make a bubble of space around yourself because this is your energetic bubble of space otherwise you're enmeshed you're you're um, fused with and you're you you can't stand in your own culture your own um, necessity and your own mission your own job to do your own skill bank your own vocabulary your own your context your own culture so you have your center your grounding cord your bubble and then you can also start holding space you need those three things in first position of a, of a rift walker, of a possibility manager. You need those three basic things, center, grounding cord, and bubble before you can start holding space. Well, holding space is the beginning of adulthood. It's the beginning of creating a, a game world. So the whole, the whole interaction of human beings around the planet is negotiated through game worlds. And the game worlds are as simple as a post office, which is how does the, how does the game world of post office work? Well, you have something it's an ancient game world. I know it's almost nobody goes to the post office these days. But <laughs> you have a letter and it has an address and it has a zip code. And if it doesn't have the zip code or a stamp, you need to buy a stamp. Then if it's all correct, then they will they pr make the promise to deliver this to whoever's on the address. And you pay them a certain amount of money. Well, oh, my God, to play the game world of post office, you need to play the game world of money. So there's these game worlds all these game worlds involved and so that's a different conversation but when you're holding space and navigating space that is that's what's needed to um be a rift walker you need it starts with holding and navigating space because the space determines what's possible and yeah. when a person hits the edge of the rift when the things start to go liquid when when the known starts becoming insanely ridiculously not known anymore it was it's false it's been an illusion the whole time and it, you start collapsing into this groundless state then then the rift walker says yeah welcome welcome to reality i mean there's a, a woman named pema children who says the nature of reality is groundlessness well you know that's been known a long time but okay where's the Where's the college degree in groundlessness, navigating groundlessness? Where's the, where, how can you get a rift walker degree? Well, you can, but, but you have to find it in places like possibility management and things like that, where we are training each other and, and facilitating evolutionary shift um, to the um, development of consciousness like that. Yeah, well, thank you. That was a, that was a great tour you just took us <laughs> and, um you know, I, I want to uh, just share with you part of the jargon or the ways that I uh, contextualize certain a, a few certain pieces that you've been pointing at, and just see if you have it, see if it sparks you in any any particular direction. 
So what you were just describing, especially you were describing the energetic domain and some reconnection of uh, conscious reconnection with first with that energetic awareness and, and our energy body and you know in the first place. Then you were talking about de deploying that in a way that reconnects us deeply with Earth, and then you expanded it out to uh, the the next layer could be said to be the connection with others, given that energetic foundation that you've just been laying out, and that that kind of coincides that seems to overlap really nicely with uh, just the shorthand that I use when I'm talking with folks who have no idea about the stuff we're talking about like they're literally at the level of don't know that they don't know about this stuff and I know that this is where you truck most of the time um, you know the words that I use for it to, to just be hearable uh, in, in first encounters with people is that we, what got us into these predicaments is that we collectively and individually have disconnected ourselves from the primary sources of meaning in human life. So that would be deeper self, others, earth, and soul. And, you know, of course, there's all kinds of ways we can talk about it, but this is just giving me and this other person a, a way to speak about it. And oftentimes, just by saying that, I can ask people, so do you have a sense of, of any of those disconnections? Do you, is there a way that you feel disconnected from other people, for instance? And, and off we go into a, a first level of conversation about that. And you know, what's at the center of it for me is this notion of having disconnected from, really from reality. So, so we don't have, we, we don't know that we've been disconnected, we've fully disconnected ourselves from every major reality point that we could have connected to, and that w at one time perhaps we were. And so, uh, what I hear you saying is that you might use entirely different ways of talking about it but your work is an invitation to to reconnect with these these vital sources of meaning sources of connectedness with the web of life and it's only there that we could ever hope to find or experience or imagine even truly new possibilities because the, the getting there, the reconnection process involves that liquefaction that you're talking about and that groundlessness. And that is something that we appear to be collectively terrified of. We'll literally watch ourselves go extinct before we'll stick ourselves intentionally in that uncertainty. So let me just stop there. I, I'm wondering if that sparks anything, and if not, please feel free to go in the next direction. Well, it's exactly at the center of our self-deception, I think, partly to do, is that we, we have a, a really limited and, and childish, actually, or self-handicapping, at least immature way of, of 
of relating to who we are or what we are. And so we have not inquired. We are, we are, we have not inspected. We are uninspected. We have not inspected the thoughtware that we're using to regard what we are or who I am, who am I, what am I? So just, just by adding a couple of distinctions, uh, we have this huge opening of clarity that allows, it empowers us to reconnect in phenomenal ways. And so I'll just, I'll just mention this idea of a human being having, for example, five bodies. So, so we, we just, we don't even ask this question. We, we assume that, well, yeah, we have, I have a fit, my body is my physical body, but who I am really is my mind. You know, we're identified with our thinking thing. And then that's it. That's really it. And the concept of soul or being, whatever, is something from the church or some, some esoteric new age kind of thing, which, what, what, who knows, what, who knows, whatever. It's just esoteric. You don't talk about stuff like that. I mean, it's like, who can, who can understand that? So forget it. And so the result is, uh, you know, I've been traveling around to do my work in, in different eco villages and uh, game world places where they're actually facing into transformation and shift. And, and uh, in, the, in the interim places, what I see human beings mostly doing is, you know, they, we, we have these little, these little things. And so here's what I, here's what I look, here's what people look like to me. They look like, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Okay. Nobody sees that as weird. People these days do not see that as weird. It is so weird. It's sick. It's a, we have been, I looked up a word yesterday, uh, fascinated. And the original, the original meaning of the word fascination is bewitched. It means cursed means allured, means, means trapped, you know, we've been caught. So we have been, we are fascinated. We're trapped intellectually. So, so, so we're identified with ourselves as one of the five bodies, basically our intellectual body. And as has been said before, the thing that hangs down from our neck is the thing that takes us to our next meeting or something like that. It's like that. And so, so who we are is this, this mind, this um, this intellectual construct, and the thoughts that go around in there, and and it's like okay, and then that thing, since it's so disconnected from the whole of reality, can be bewitched, and we can be we trapped in this in the um, in the stimulate in mentally stimulating world of the of the little activities of our smartphones. And uh, even in Asia, like where I'm in Asia right now, it's it's shockingly disconnecting. You know, I can be, you know, it doesn't matter where I am. I'm on a train, I'm at a restaurant, a cafe, I'm walking down the street. People are they're just locked into these things. There, there, there is no connection there. And it's so stimulating and overwhelming in our identification with our mind that we don't notice that. And then we wonder why we're starving. We wonder. So we have these five bodies. We have this physical body, 
you know, and there are there is some awareness of eating at McDonald's and fast food and 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 um, eating from um, modern technology culture agriculture with GMOs and that fertilizers and things is 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 starving our physical body. But and then but we have this intellect and the intellect is actually starving for intimacy. So we can have we can have intellectual intimacy that we're like we're having that right now. You and I. You know, even though we're distanced by thousands of miles from each other, in the physical world, our energetic body and our is capable of like I'm can I can feel your being. You know, I have a being to being connection with you for months now. We've had this connection, and I I throw I feeds me. I know Dean Spillane Walker's out there doing cool stuff, and he we have this resonance, and it's feeding me my connection with you. So that's my energetic body. You know, but I also have an emotional body that is also starving and needs food. So the emotional body has to do with feelings and emotions and and communicating, uh, being heard and hearing these interactions, this trade back and forth, this flow of this emotional and, and, and feelings energy that's hugely intelligent and hugely powerful. And is is a, a rocket fuel for our ability to deliver what we came here to deliver, which opens up our archetypal body. So the archetypal body is the fifth body, and it's the one where where we actually I have a, a job to do here that I'm using the vehicle of my physical body and the energy of my of my emotional body and the the, the um, ability to communicate and relate to my intellectual body and uh, the sensations of my energetic body to deliver. But the job comes from my archetypal domains. And we are so designed to be archetypal. We're like the universe has this archetypal nature to it. And the cool thing about being a human being is we have this, we're organic, they have this organic form. And at the same time, we have this direct access to bright principles and shadow principles and these forces of nature that are archetypal with jobs to do that we can we can communicate you can communicate and relate and facilitate the presence of the archetypal even in man-woman relationships even in our our, our work and our workplace we can our archetypal circles and um uh the functions of the workplace in terms of the evolution of consciousness the potential for that is immense and it's archetypal in nature and so like um so we can't even begin you know to feed and nurture our five bodies unless we shift our identity from being merely an intellect to being a, a five body complex organism that has access to the archetypal and needs every one of the bodies needs food and then we can have intimacies. We can negotiate five body intimacies with each other. And that is this amazingly fulfilling, enriching, dynamic, transformational, uh, delicious way of relating to in, our, in my life, in the world. Yeah. Again, beautiful loop that you've taken us on. <clears throat> I'd like to... Um, step into some shameless promotion here, um, <laughs> mostly because I, I, one of the things I came away from my time in Greece, uh, the workshop that I did with uh, Jim and Katie, 
uh, <clears throat> I, I came away with a renewed sense of the urgency of, of our time in, in human history and, and where we are and what we're facing. And I'm realizing I, it's time for me to just stop being polite uh, and diplomatic and, and not want to ruffle people's feathers and, and so on. Um, and I'd, I'd love to ruffle a few feathers and I'd like to just go straight into some uh, of the, the promotion of your work. And, and I'm doing that entirely selfishly because what I want is a whole lot more people in my circles who are facile in the way that you've just been describing. And that's that I'm, I'm hungry for being fed in the way you were just describing. <clears throat> so um, just full disclosure, I'm, I'm gonna be coming up, uh, going up to Seattle. I live in Southern Oregon and I'll be going up to Seattle and, and uh, doing a, what will be my second uh, expand the box training, that kind of entry level training that y'all offer. Um, coming up in uh, in November, I think it's November, and um, it might be December. If I will put the uh, all the contact information in the show notes of this particular episode of the podcast, um, and then I'm <clears throat> I'm uh, really really excited to be going to Mallorca, uh, Spain, in uh, October of this year, which is 2019, uh, to be with um, with y'all in a two back-to-back -back possibility labs there in, again, October in Mallorca. And all of that can be found, all that information about what are the workshops and what's being offered and what the heck is all this stuff about can be found on uh, a number of, I'm sure through a number of different URLs, but the main one is possibility management. Is that true? Yes, possibilitymanagement.org. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, again, just shamelessly promoting it. It's completely selfish in my motivation to get more people in my circles who are uh, embodying these distinctions that you've just been talking about. That particular layout really sings for me. You know, it's like, yeah, every part of my system is just saying, yep, yep, yep. And so, uh, that's a remarkably apt kind of layout of mapping that you've just done for when I look to the, the um, deep adaptation introduction training that Jem and Katie just did. And I look at the, the three month long webinar that I've just created called Deep Adaptation in Times of Collapse you know, looking at really just a beta test for what's possible to do online. How much can we actually exchange in a meaningful way online and, and so on? Um, and what I'm seeing, I'm gonna loop now back to that, <laughs> that way too long introduction that I did at the beginning of this talk. When I was talking about on the one hand is this kind of emergence, inviting what emerges methodologies that are beautiful and have their place and they're, they're exquisite when they're used in the way that they're most potent. And what, what I was uh, 
hoping to invite you to, which you've done beautifully, is to engage in the conversation of what else is possible if we mm -hmm. kind of go beyond that sort of passive, gentle, um, just inviting what's emerging naturally and so on. If not that, then what? And there is mm. just just by the mapping that you've done, just by what you've shared already, there's so much more active engagement and there's mapping of multiple levels. In fact, multiple bodies, as you were just describing, which has absolutely been my experience of, you know, learning through different lineages for my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I could say that everything I was hoping for in this conversation has been delivered and it, you know, we're, I'm sure we can cover more ground. I'm just deeply satisfied by having the basics covered the basics that I just so wanted articulated so that people who are new to the conversation might have their interest peaked. That's what I'm, I'm hoping for. I'm just mm -hmm. crossing fingers and toes that there's some amount of folks that are peak like, if not collapse and despair and utter disempowerment, then what? <laughs> so again, I, I'll just stop there. Yeah. Thank you. I just want well, to, sure to get those I, basics out there. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. I'm not sure how it happened for me, but. It uh, for a long time I've had the orientation that I'm not a victim. So you know my childhood was really vanilla. It was I didn't I somehow uh, just because of my birth date <clears throat> and the forces of echo, you know the Earth Coincidence Control Office, whatever the luck, the coincidences. I didn't have to go to the Vietnam War. You know I had a, a college deferment. And then my birth date number was 235 out of 365. So they never got to my number to, to bring me into the Vietnam War. I mean, my life has kind of been really vanilla. I didn't have, my parents were not alcoholic, not uh, abusive, not anything. They were basically almost invisible. And so I had, I had this kind of space. I, they sent me to public school, which is horrible. I mean, public school is this prison babysitting center trying to download thoughtware of uh, continuing a culture that no longer exists. I mean, school, take your kids out of school as fast as you can and cut them loose without one of those smart smartphones. You know, those two things, take them, take them to an island. Everybody who does this, like a dozen people have asked me, my child is desperate, they're cutting themselves, they're taking drugs and alcohol, they're depressed, they're, they have rage fits, they're destroying things, they don't listen to me, we're out of, every person I say, take your kid out of school, hit the road, go to a, a, a third world country with no smartphone and, and live in the culture there. Every single person who's done that has, has come back going, God, my child is the most wonderful person in the world, I love them, they love me, life is fantastic, life is great, there's a bright future, Let, Every person who's done that is is extracted themselves from the grips of the hallucination. You know, they've woken up from becoming a zombie. It is possible to end your sleepwalking. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's really possible. The whole, you know, 
we have 226 websites up right now in a, an experiment we're doing called startover.xyz. You, you, can, you can also go to startoverhere.xyz and you get a list of these, of these gateways. These are doorways. So every single one of these websites is a doorway with experiments to do and distinctions on there. And it's energized, and there's some videos, and it's fun. And every single one is full. It's like dripping, overflowing with what else is possible besides sleepwalking? What else is possible besides being a victim? What, is what have they not told us? What, you know, basically almost everything, you know, they have not, whoever they are, you know, the school curriculum or television, whatever, that whole sleepwalking zombie world of consumerism and, and the, the deadness of that is um, a very, very small part of what is, what's possible. And so, so my whole life has been really about knocking on the people's door going, hey, want to come out and play? Would you like to come out and play? There's a lot... <laughs> You're you're stuck there in a like you know a little zombie world, and you're they're giving you drugs, and you're you're doing it to yourself. Would you like to try something else? Well, this is terrifying. This is that liquid state you're talking about. Mm -hmm. This is this is exactly it. The rug gets pulled out. You go, no, there isn't anything else. No, really, I am a victim. I'm convinced. I am a victim. There are no possibilities. This is bad, you know. And I'm and I'm. This is who I. This is all there is. Okay, well, that's not true. It is so not true that it's, um, it's just astonishing how something as intelligent and with so much potential as a human being can believe that, uh, that, that that's all there is. I mean, you, you can pick up anything. You can, any little thing, you know, a blade of grass, you know, or you look in somebody's eyes for longer than three seconds, and all of a sudden, there's this space that opens up. We, nobody looks in each other's eyes for longer than three seconds because countenance starts happening. What is countenance? God, it's archetypal love starting to recognize that archetypal love exists in another person. And then your whole body starts vibrating with this flow of archetypal energy from love coming through. And it's just from looking in somebody's eyes for longer than three seconds. Try that experiment. Your world will fall apart. Modern civilization will collapse by looking in somebody's eyes for longer than three seconds because modern civilization becomes irrelevant. It becomes worthless. It, you know, the whole delusion of modern culture is that we're not going to die. Well, we are. And, and so it's fake. The whole, the whole purpose of modern culture is based on a delusion that's fake. And so in any case, it's straightforward and simple to enter worlds that are vaster, more complex, full, nurturing, five-body intimacies, rich worlds that are right in front of you right now, everywhere in the world, every moment available uh, by upgrading your thoughtware, by using a few distinctions and noticing and allowing um, yourself to feel and 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 trust yourself and take your center back and your own authority back and make decisions that your parents didn't make. You know, you don't, you don't, and go find the other people who are doing this. They're all over. There's millions of us out here. There's everywhere I go, I meet people who are doing experiments that are not fitting into modern civilization. These are my friends. This is my culture, my culture. 
I'm a rift walker, I'm an edge worker, I'm a possibilitator. Uh, these are three words that nobody knows what I'm talking about, but until I start meeting my, my family and my friends out here, and they all go, yeah, me too, I'm one too. What did you learn lately? And then we have the most amazing exchange of conversations just like this, and it's just thrilling. And uh, to, to think of myself as a victim, uh, I just don't, I, I haven't done that for 50 years. I don't know, for a long time. And so, um, yes, everything you're saying, I say yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clinton, I'm, um, there's, there's one last piece uh, before, uh, we draw this envelope of time together to a close that I'd, I'd like to just run by you and, and hear maybe it's already present in your work uh, in some way that I just haven't touched in with yet. <clears throat> uh, what, I'm, what I've noticed is um, there are are certain distinctions that I, I, I truck in a lot in my body of work, which is really be, being collapse aware, adding to it many of the distinctions that you were just talking about, particularly the energetics. And uh, <clears throat> there's, there's a way in which um, our, our culture collectively, we literally can't and won't tell the truth to ourselves about what's so in our world. We, one of the costs of our disconnection with self, others, earth and soul and so on, is our literally our inability to, to have an inner truth, to have that kind of base note in our experience, if we've disconnected in all those primary ways, we've got these massive holes in our ability to, to truly be present at any given moment. So in the work that I've been exposed to so far in Expand the Box or Possibility Labs, many of the distinctions you've been talking about have been very present and very active and juicy as can be. And what, I'm, what I've noticed is there so far has been very little of the kind of uh, human on earth and human as integral aspect of the web of life, kind of truth-telling and truth-seeing of where we are, what's actually going on on the planet. You know, like if I had a flesh-eating uh, bacteria condition on my arm and it was just doing its thing and it was just eating me up, I would want to have the awareness and the ability to articulate, I got this thing on my arm that's eating me up. And I would also like to have people around me who are also able to say, you know, you, you might want to have that looked at. <laughs> you got something on your arm. 
And so my experience is we collectively have so normalized the, our destruction and impact on ourselves, each other, the planet, our souls, that we rarely just speak the truth about it. Just what's so. I'm not, I'm not talking about hitting each other over the head with doom and, uh, you know, just that articulation on a, on a somewhat regular basis to just stay abreast of what's so. Again, what I saw coming out of my time in Greece and that, that particular way of talking about deep adaptation is it is time to tell the truth about what's so. And again, not to, not to found the entire beingness of, our, of us on this planet in it, but to, to, to just bring it to collective awareness in a way of naming what's so. Mm. So what I'm curious about is, is your experience of the work that you're doing, the possibility labs and so on, is there a, any kind of shift to a telling the truth about what's so at that level that might include grief, that might include the uh, elements that are so very normal in a human experience, only at the largest scale we've ever had to deal, like shame. You know, these are, these are particular elements. I, I could keep choosing elements off the shelf here to, to ask about. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, am I communicating okay? Is this making sense as sort of an inquiry with you? And is it your experience that either you and your trainers are bringing that, or people who are participating are bringing that, that hunger to name what's so at that next level, both inside and globally? Yeah, thank you. The, in my research or my wish to find friends as I kind of described them before, I, I, would, I engage people in conversation or interaction. And the, the level at which the confront of what's so is able to occur in most people that I meet who have been born and raised in Western culture results in a conversation of we should, we must, mm. you know, we, we should, we must. And then as if that will do anything or as if that is a realization, it's a philosophical conceptual con construct of we should and we must. And then that's like, that's the end, that's the last chapter in the book. That's as far as the books go. You know, and then actually that's chapter one or chapter zero. You know, the, ch the evidence of we should, we must is so evident, so self-evident that that's chapter zero. And then, okay, all right, all right, what, is this, what does this entail? What does this require? Like, how do I bodily engage what is to the degree that I am the thing that is the agent? I have agency. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So I'm more interested in agency. So agency occurs through, through responsibility. 
well, responsibility is, is um, consciousness in action. So I'm, and so centeredness, and how do, you, how do you get present? Nobody, people cannot be present until they're able to feel, until they're on the new thought map of feelings, because the old thought map of feelings is feelings are not okay. It is not okay to feel. And if you get present in your body, you will have feelings. So the, the thoughtware that we're using uh, from modern culture is you, it is not okay to feel, keeps us from being present. So, uh, and so to have a small now and a small here and presence in the body to have agency, because the only place you can have agency is now. And the only person that can have agency is me. You know, okay, so for me to be an, a person with agency, with ability to create change, then I need to be able to feel and go through the liquid states of change. Like if I don't change nothing, I'm not gonna cause change. Like, so I'm facilitating, you know, what we're training people is to be change agents through navigating in inner and outer changes by through change. And so that after, after a few times of that, people start having agency to cause change, navigate change, and facilitate other people being able to have agency and change. And that's what the whole thing is about. Like if, if people don't, if people can't create change, then we're, we're failing here in, in possibility management. This is what it's about. It isn't a philosophy. It isn't like, oh my God, you know, we must stop burning the, you know, the South American rainforest. We should, we should do that. You know, one change and it's over, you know, I, I used to work at an ecosystem restoration camp in southern Spain where it's a desert. And, and Spain used to be famous for wall-to-wall -wall oak trees. But this, the Portuguese came and you know, built their armada of ships out of them. And it's now a desert. Well, it's a desert not because of, of that the trees were all cut down. It's a desert because the Spanish government pays every single farmer money uh, uh, every year to plow their fields and kill everything that starts growing. So if the, if, the, if the Spanish government stopped paying the farmers to plow their fields, you know, we would have forests again. But it's, it's a policy change. So, okay, I, you know, I've thought of assassinating, you know, every president of a corporation or a government and then and then like, okay, because, because who's making the policy decisions? You know, if there was, if, if we changed, I can, I have a list on my website called Possibilica, which is a nano nation. I, I live in a nano nation called Possibilica. And we have a bill of wrongs, you know, and the bill of wrongs is you cannot own land. You know, you cannot, um, it, corporations have no personhood, you know, et cetera. It's a, it's a straightforward list of, of cannot, you cannot do this. You do this, you're dead, you know, you're killed. So it's pretty straightforward and it's easy. That's all easy. So the thing that's not easy is, is adulthood. Presence involves adulthood and radical responsibility saying what's so, but not just saying like what's so as, as a concept of we should, but saying what's so is, oh my fucking God, I'm 
tearing this apart. I am the change. My life fall, falls apart. You know, I, I, you know, people don't have to own property. People don't have to participate in the economic slavery system that's been set up for them. People can become game world builders and invent the culture they would love to live in starting here, starting now. It's, there's zero we should about it, you know, or they should, you know, or we have to. Zero. None of that. It starts right here, right now with me in the liquid states, the transformational liquid states of evolving my own consciousness and everybody I talk to. And it sets up a whole new game world of life on planet Earth for human beings. Yeah. Now, is it too late to stop the methane clathrates that are defrosting in the Siberian Sea? And, and you know, we're almost at 2,000 parts per billion of methane, which, if you look at galactical records, is equating to 16 degrees hotter than we are now on planet Earth. The amount of methane that's in the atmosphere already is, causes 16 degrees hotter than it is right now. Okay, how are you going to put the methane out of the atmosphere? Is it too late for that? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but I do know what I can change right now, and that's what I do. And I, I am the age. I have agency, and I'm. I'm. I'm not only. It's a cool kind. Of, it's a meta agency because I can liberate others to liberate the agency of others. So I'm a trainer trainer. I train trainers to train trainers to train trainers. So this is, a, this is the agency that I have and that I am implementing as fast as I can all day long and all night long, every day. This is what I do and this is what I am. This is what you're doing. This is what you are. And this is, it's, it's a fun job. It is the best job in the world. It's a job where I don't know what's gonna happen in the next hour. And it's going to be more exciting and more fulfilling and more challenging than ever was before in my life. And that's what my life is about. And your life can be. So welcome to the real world. Yeah. As they say in the Matrix movie. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to the real world. Yeah. There's a lot more possible than you might suspect. And you have agency. So, Clinton, if I may, as we yeah, wrap this up, so I'd like to yeah. just take a, a few moments to be in stillness to let that settle in, if, if that's all right with you. Thank you so much, Patty. I feel you and appreciate you and the and your cadre of trainers and your um, just utterly contagious enthusiasm for being a part of this miraculous web of life we all have the privilege of being a part of. And um, I look forward to our next time of being able to be together perhaps that's in october or uh, who knows maybe we'll have another round of this before then who knows so um my warmest thanks to you and uh i wish you well h thanks for the space that you're holding that we can share these kind of things with other people yeah 
Enjoy your day, brother. Okay, Nick. <laughs>